You're not the boss of me now, and you're not so big. Welcome to Life is Unfair, the Malcolm the Middle podcast, where we watch and talk about every episode of Malcolm the Middle in chronological order. Today, we are talking about Boys at Ranch, which originally aired January 12th, 2003, was directed by David Delvito, and written by Neil Thompson and Gary Murphy. Hi, I'm Jake, and I had my baby teeth until I was 14. I'm David, and did it say our podcast would come back? Well, before we get into this week's episode, we of course have our community segment with some poll results and an email. Starting with our poll results, looking back at Forbidden Girlfriend, which we agreed on, at least for Shittiest Kid, we both gave it to Reese for that episode, for corrupting Dewey and bringing him into his schemes and the internet uh almost unanimously agreed reese got 80 percent of the vote with the remaining 20 percent going to malcolm that makes sense then for least shitty kid i chose francis for once again finding a non-violent solution to a problem this time the conflict between otto and the cowboys he, he came up with the genius idea of a gate that's right yeah so genius while you chose uh, Malcolm for being less whiny than usual, which the the internet agreed with me on that one. Francis won with 60% of the vote, with Malcolm and Dewey splitting the remainder. Our only uh, comment on that one was just Luke saying Francis, obviously. <laughs> but moving on to our email... We got an email from Catherine, and it is simply titled Leo's. Oh, no. <laughs> in, in response to our discussion about how, like, people who are really into astrology, like, uh, a, a lot of them do not like Leo's. And Catherine says, Hi, when I was pregnant with my son and told people his due date was August 12th, I was baffled by how often people commented sympathetically or with some level of disappointment that he would be a Leo. I can't remember how often it happened, but often enough that it was notable. What the fuck? Anyway, he's 13 now, and I would say he's not a total shitty kid. Honestly, he's probably somewhere uh, between being a Malcolm and a Dewey. Well, shit, as I write this, I've realized he's a Francis. I'm going to go and digest this revelation. Keep up the good work. I look forward to the podcast every week. All right. Well, first of all, let me say, fuck you. Like, <laughs> not not you, the writer, but like, yeah. if you're the person who goes up to a pregnant woman and says anything negative about like her child or her pregnancy or what's coming in the future, fuck you. Right. Like, you're a shitty person, and you are the least, or you're the shittiest kid for the rest of your life. Uh, <laughs> second of all, I mean. Spoiler alert, but Francis isn't always the worst. Having a Francis around is not a bad thing. So, you know, you do you. Just, you know, some uh, rough teenage years. I mean, look, we all had years where we look back and go, some of us it just happened sooner than others. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I mean, th there's a difference between, like, that and Francis's teenage years. Yeah, there's a difference between cringe <laughs> and felony, I'm aware, but... uh <laughs> <laughs> but but look point point being is i'm sure your kid is perfectly fine and also main takeaway for me 
is again, like you can believe in whatever you want, but if you're one of those people who's super into astrology, stop telling people that their life or their future is going to suck. Fuck you. You don't know. Right. You guys have never been right with me. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know about that. <laughs> you're I know that the, Leo, David. I know that the stunned <laughs> silence that just happened there is going to get edited out, but I hate you so much. <laughs> Oh, no, I actually, like, looked into it a little bit after our conversation last episode because I was curious, because I, like, I, I didn't know, like, the Leos were, like, uh, you know, quote-unquote bad. That's because you, you haven't lived your life as one, Jake. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm a universally beloved Taurus, but, uh... <laughs> Wait, aren't Taurus the ones that, like, stab in the back? No, that's Scorpios. Oh, okay. Oh, that makes sense. It's because the big stinger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's like three that people hate. It's uh, I can't remember the third. But it's Leo, Scorpios, and then like one other that people hate. Apparently, maybe Pisces. I think yeah, I think it's Pisces. Uh, but like l- looking it up, it is like super bizarre how like just shitty and hostile people are about it. <laughs> it was like like I-, I found like multiple instances where I was like someone asked me like yeah, you know, I- I'm not really into astrology, but you know, I- I've been told the fact that I'm a Leo is like a really shitty thing. Why is that? And then people just tear into these people like they've done something personally wrong to them it's insane yeah i've experienced this personally also it's really it kind of makes sense to me though because if you look up a lot of the like positive like leo things it's like a type personality people it's people who are drawn to authority it's like managers leaders supervisors and most of the people who have acted this way to me, offense fully intended, but they're whiny little fucks who can't take any leadership or any guidance in their life without taking it as personal criticism. So it makes sense that they hate people who are just naturally born to, like, leadership. Now, that was a very Leo sentiment there, David. Yeah, that was what I was going for. Thanks. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you, you nailed it. Uh, also, uh, separate from the whole Leo thing, but also... Uh, I found very funny looking more into astrology because of our conversation. Uh-huh. Because uh, I was like, I'll, I'll look up what my moon sign is, sure. But in the process of doing that, I learned that, like, the moon sign has specifically associated with it, like, specific organs that are, like, weakened by your, like, sign, supposedly. <laughs> and there's, like, what? Yeah, yeah. Like, every... There, there's, like, groupings of, like, four organs that, that are, like, supposedly weakened if you were born, like, under that moon sign. Mine's, like, liver, gallbladder, and some other stuff. But, like, the funniest grouping contains genitals and anus. <laughs> Wait, what grouping is this? What's uh, my moon sign? You, you, you'll have to, like, actually look up your moon sign because it's, you know, it, it's based on the lunar, like, calendar. So it, like, depends on when you were specifically born. And it's, like also takes into account, like, what phase the moon was in that specific day. So you have to, like, look up your full birth date. I'm 100% doing that right now. I, I was very disappointed but when I didn't have the uh, weak dick and anus category, because it would have been so funny. <laughs> uh, all right, hang on, hang on. Uh, my moon sign is a Pisces. I also hear two of the bad ones. That was Probably. Everything. All right, oh, here's the, oh, I found the chart. I found the chart with the, like, yeah. The grouping. Wait, one of them is calf, ankle, shin, and Achilles? <laughs> what? Yeah. Also, it uh, says you shouldn't have surgery. What yeah, the fuck? Yeah, there, there, there's specific days where you're supposed to, not, like, have surgery or not have surgery based on it. And it's, it, it, it's, it tells you it's like, 
you know, if it's not one of your, like, chosen, you know, weakened organs, then, you know, you might be able to have surgery, but you definitely don't. <laughs> right? Dude. Okay, so apparently mine is feet, toes, and pineal gland. First of all, that's definitely wrong. My internal clock is great. Look, the, that that chart is the closest I have ever come to caring about astrology. <laughs> right? Dude, right? <laughs> I, I could get into this. <laughs> neck vocal cords throat and thyroid gland all right all right wait where's the i'm looking for the all right i see breast womb stomach mucus ovary where's the testes one come on now oh there we go okay so scorpios apparently have weak genitals anus urethra uh, and prostate well it's not specifically associated with like like specific signs oh i see it's linked to the day yeah Okay, so it says the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I see it. Yeah. It's just the sign changes because each yeah, one of Yeah, it's just those... with the signs. Yeah, that's fucking yeah. weird. It, it is. It's super weird, but I saw that and I thought it was so fucking funny. <laughs> well, maybe they're on to something. Maybe they're on to something because my dad's birthday is heart, aorta, blood pressure, and blood circulation. He's been in and out of the hospital with his heart. Mm, could be. Could be. Also, how long have we been talking? Dude, I feel like I could do a podcast just talking about this. Right? <laughs> also, you you know 100% there's people who, like, look at that charge when they're dating people to be like, mm, no, can't go out with them. They have bad genitals. Oh, dude, 100%. 100%. Or unless, who knows, maybe they don't want kids. Maybe they're like, man, I, you know, I really, I know we'll be in a lot of fights because they're a Scorpio, but, like, Weak genitals, maybe I won't get pregnant. <laughs> oh man, you, you think anyone ever like specifically like requests like organs for for the thing? Well, like if they have to have like you know like like a you know a kidney transplant or something? Like, listen, I only want someone with this moon sign born oh. on born on a day with a good kidney. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You don't want no fucking Taurus in here. You you know, you're getting like a, a transplant. They got weak thyroid glands. That controls like your whole fucking, uh, you know, everything. Yeah, no, fuck that. Get that out of here. <laughs> Should I get a penis transplant with someone from a strong dick sign? <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a Taurus. I'm a Taurus, but my dick's a Scorpio. <laughs> That's right, yeah, get those waxing crescents out of here. Oh my god. I guarantee we offend someone with this segment, and that's fine. Yeah, look, apologies if you believe in this stuff, but it's it's silly. It's so silly. Uh, oh, apparently you can't have surgery on a new moon. Okay, that adds okay. up. Yeah. It's too dark. Uh, Surgeon won't be able to see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it, it is a little-known fact that all of the modern word, world actually uses sunlight and uh, skylights for surgery. So, you know. Is, is this the new conspiracy for the week? Light bulbs are fake? Yeah, that's right. Light bulbs are fake. They just <laughs> use it. them for TV. <laughs> those those lights in your house are not actually light bulbs. They're just channeling the, the, the inner essence of the sun. I don't know. It, that sounds new-agey enough to go with this, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Look, I don't know. I'm really bad at this stuff. I'll, I'll add it to the uh, list along with, you know, planes being fake. and Well, plane, that's that's not a conspiracy theory. That's just real. Planes are fake. 
Yeah, yeah, no. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. There's just big trains everywhere. I'll add it to the list of things that the deep state doesn't want us to know about. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right. Well, getting into the actual episode. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we're here for a thing. Uh, so the cold open for this one starts with Hal as he is woken up in bed in the middle of the night by a beeping sound. The familiar beeping of a low battery on a smoke detector. Yeah, we've all been there. And he goes out to the kitchen where it's going off and he tries to reach up and grab it and turn it off, but he can't reach it, so he... Walks over to the step stool, grabs it, and goes over to the smoke detector like he's going to, you know, climb up and grab it. But instead, he just smashes the smoke detector. Uh, it just completely destroys it, and then calmly walks off back to bed. <laughs> and uh, getting into the episode proper, this is a interesting one, because uh, it is all F-plot. That's right, all F-plot. And it starts with the boys all loaded up in the van, waiting for Hal, and Malcolm turns to the camera and explains that they're going off to see Francis. I know it's a boys-only trip, and he's going to uh, miss his girlfriend Nikki, but he's glad he's going to be away from Lois. <laughs> and Reese, like, leads forward from the backseat and hogs the horn. They're all impatiently waiting for Hal to come out. And when Hal finally does come out, his hair is all mussed up, and he, like, very clearly has, like, lipstick all around his mouth. And he comes out, uh, and, you know, he gets in the car, and he starts doing the dad thing of running through his, uh, road trip checklist. Making sure he has his sunglasses, and his map, and he checks all the mirrors. And when he starts up the van, he asks the boys, uh, if, if that sounds like a loose cylinder to them. And of course, when they, you know, yell at him to, you know, hurry it up, he tells them that they'll, someday they'll learn it pays to be careful. And as he's backing out, he rams one of their bikes. <laughs> then uh, they get to the grotto where uh, Otto is waiting for them. And uh, when they ask for Francis, he gets very excited and he rings a triangle, which causes like all of the staff to uh, come running. They all, like, run out to, the, like, the lobby area and, like, line up. And uh, Otto is, like, the, the entire time telling Hal how great Francis is, how he's a genius. And he's really turned this place around. Which uh, Gretchen assures them, you know, not literally. Yeah, we still face the Arroyos as before. And hearing this, Hal, Hal is, like, confused. And he, like, checks to make sure, you know, saying... And there's only the one Francis that works here, right? I mean, it's a little sus. Fair enough. But uh, Otto is, you know, insisting that Francis is great, and he invites Hal to uh, inspect the staff. Uh, yep. Which, which Hal reluctantly does. And while he is doing that, Dewey notices that there are some Kachina dolls on, like, a shelf off to the side, and when he, like, is looking at them... Uh, Gretchen, like, leans down and explains what they are to him, and Dewey is, is, you know, infatuated with them, and he goes to touch them, and Gretchen tells him not to, she says they're, they're too valuable, he needs to leave, promise to leave them alone, and she asks if she can trust him to do that, and Dewey says, why not? 
It's a nice non-committal answer. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Then uh, Hal is, you know, finishing up with his review of the staff, and he says he likes uh, one of the employee's boots, which Otto then tries to make that employee give Hal his boots. Give him your boots! <laughs> and Otto is very happy that uh, Hal approves of the staff. Then uh, Piyama comes out and greets them, holding a box of tissues and sniffling, saying, you know, she's sorry that she uh, wasn't here when they got here, but she's been feeling sick. She's probably going to be, you know, laid up in bed all weekend. Then they say, uh, Lois didn't come, and she immediately throws the tissues aside and says, well, I guess we'll have to have fun without her then, huh? <laughs> uh, I know that feel. Then she takes them uh, outside to meet up with Francis, and the boys are all very excited, and Hal sort of explains to Piyama that they've always looked up to Francis as sort of a hero. Then, uh, th that, that image is, you know, played up as Francis comes riding up on a horse, looking very heroic. Right. And he, uh, is, you know, talking to them about how, you know, this is as close to the Old West as you can possibly get. Then, of course, as, as soon as he says this, an old lady pulls up in a golf cart and asks directions to Jazzercise, uh, which Francis tells her, oh, it's over on the other side of the smoothie bar. <laughs> then we cut to that night where they're sitting around a fire and complimenting Francis's cooking. And she explains that he also has to spend some time in the kitchen for his job. And he's learned the, the key to making good chili is how long you soak the beans. And, you know, with the uh, mention of Chili, of course, their conversation turns to the, uh, like, wrapping up the contest that they held, uh, where they have various categories of farts. Yeah. <laughs> which, appropriately, uh, Dewey won the award for the most tuneful fart. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, he is the melodic one. Exactly. And Malcolm got the most obnoxious. That seems right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Reese got disqualified. <laughs> he bet on a fart and lost. Wow. Uh, I, I feel like are all, you know, good little uh, character indicators through their farts. Right? Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> Sometimes all you need to know about a man is his farts. I don't I, Look, I don't know how this goes. Yeah, that, that'll... The, that, that's what we'll do instead of, uh, you know, zodiac signs. Oh, we'll do fart signs? Yeah. Oh, dude, I like that. But uh, back to the episode. Uh, but Hal invites all, all the boys to go see the Devil's Rock with him uh, you know, early tomorrow morning. As yeah, when, when the sun comes up, it makes it look like it has flaming eyes and devil horns. But uh, immediately Malcolm complains that, you know, it's super early. And Francis apologizes and says that he can't go because he has to lead a horse ride in the morning, and it takes a couple hours to get the horses ready. And all of the other boys, like, immediately upon hearing this, want to go riding with Francis instead of going with Hal, leaving Hal all alone. Yep, poor Hal. Then Francis kicks some dirt on the fire, putting it out, which uh, Reese complains at that, saying, Hey, I, I brought stuff to burn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was probably evidence. Uh, probably, yeah. Right. Considering he tried to, you know, hide evidence of his crimes on, on the dead body of one of his relatives. Uh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yep. <laughs> but Fra Francis tells him, no, they're on cowboy time now. 
I got to go to bed early. Then uh, we, we cut to the next day where Hal has gone on this uh, tour to see this rock alone. And he's, you know, surrounded by all these other families. And uh, Hal, Hal, like, looks at them and looks kind of miserable as, as he takes pictures of this thing. As they all, everyone around him, you know, talks about how beautiful it is. And one of the kids, you know, thanks their dad for taking him to see this. Right. Just drive that nail a little deeper. That's right. Then we go to the horse ride, which the boys are all very bored as they're, like, very slowly riding the horses. Uh, Malcolm asks how he can tell if his horse is dead or not, because it's going so slow. But Francis tells them that until they're used to riding the horses, everyone has to go slow. And he points out that none of the other riders are complaining. Then we hear, uh, like a dad telling, uh, one of the other riders, you know, what a big boy he is riding the horse like this. Then as they're riding, Reese, uh, notices some people on ATVs, and he uh, points this out to Malcolm, and they ask when they can ride those. But Francis tells them they're not going anywhere near those ATVs. He doesn't want to have to take a whole day off work just to scoop up their dead bodies. <laughs> And then we go back to the room where Hal and the boys are staying. And Hal is, like, going through his photos, none of which have turned out because they're all, you know, uh, attempted photos of the sun. Right. <laughs> and uh, Hal is, like, looking even more miserable. I love and... the overexposed photos, by the way. <laughs> yes, it was a nice touch. But as Hal is doing this... Uh, Malcolm and Reese, like, look over to Dewey, and they, like, share a look, and they nod at each other, and then they enact their plan, because Dewey walks over, holding a, you know, sheet of paper, uh, to Reese and Malcolm, complaining that they won't play, uh, 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 ping pong. <laughs> I was like, wow, all right, Jake. I thought you were going for, like, a dumb joke for a second, and then I realized you were just literally struggling to remember what they wouldn't play. <laughs> You know, my, my mind immediately went to, like, foosball as far as, like, mental image, and I was like, that's not right. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they say that they won't play ping pong with it, and he has the sheets to get the equipment for it. It's free. Uh, why won't they come do this? And they, you know, sort of play it up there. They say, because you're stupid, and this trip isn't about spending time with you. And of course, Hal is easily manipulated by this. Due, due to what he's been going through, he immediately yells at Reese and Malcolm, saying that they're going to go go play with their younger brother, and without reading it, he signs the form that Dewey has. And of course, it is actually a permission form to rent the ATVs. And we, we see them uh, turning this form into auto, who looks at Dewey and says, he, he doesn't look 16 to me. Right. But of course, uh, Reese tells him it's a glandular issue. And upon hearing this, Otto is, you know, much more sympathetic. Uh, that, that's where my opening line comes from, as Otto says, you know, maybe he's just a late bloomer. I had my baby teeth until I was 14. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I love, too, that he, well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but I love that that he goes from, like, assuming that he doesn't look 16 to assuming he's the oldest. Then, as Otto, like, goes off to uh, get their stuff, Malcolm is pondering, you know, 
Uh, what does all-terrain really mean? Do they really mean all-terrain? That is a good question. You know, I have been actually discussing this for years. I think that all-terrain vehicle is a little bit uh, misleading and not an appropriate marketing tool, and they should change it um, or face, you know, maybe potential legal ramifications from uh, now I'm blanking and my mind is not working. Man, we both should have had more coffee before this. Now, this um, is what happens when we record in the morning. Right? False advertising is what I was trying to say, but then my brain just shut off for no reason. Wow. I know the feeling. I love also, by the way, that you say the morning and it's almost 1230. Eh, we started <laughs> We started before noon. That's morning. We did start before noon, but still. I- I've been up since like nine. You've been up since like just before we started. Uh, since like 10. Oh, okay. That- that's early for me for the weekend, David. That's true. <laughs> but uh Reese reassures Malcolm that uh that they couldn't call it an all-terrain vehicle if that wasn't the case. Yeah, they they don't uh, yeah, they can't call they can't say things that are untrue. Exactly. Then it just hard cuts to a like slow pan down a tree with an ATV stuck in it upside down. Which, uh, below that, Dewey is dangling from a branch. Yeah, he's hanging onto the, the handlebars. Look, sometimes ATVs, you know, they, they get out of control. And sometimes, you know, they go wildly off of a cliff where you have to bail uh, and rip your jeans, you know, because they're caught in the wheel before you hit a tree and die. Or, you know, sometimes they end up in trees. It happens. Sure. <laughs> Oddly specific story, I know. But Malcolm and Reese just turn to each other and say, well, I guess that means trees aren't terrain. Noted. (laughs) 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 Then uh, we go to a scene where the boys have all been lined up and are being scolded by Francis, uh, who's, you know, yelling at them for being so irresponsible, and he specifically told them that they weren't allowed to ride the ATVs and they didn't listen to him. And uh, when uh, Piyama, like, tries to tell me, you know, you you don't have to yell at them like this. Francis yells, I'll yell at whoever I want. And even though uh, I immediately regret saying that, I'm sticking to it. (laughs) And Hal is agreeing with Francis, you know, also laying into the boys a little bit. And Otto chimes in, blaming Dewey, who he calls the oldest one. He should know better. He is leading the other boys down a dark path. They they, they follow him like sheep. (laughs) Then Francis uh, tells them that they're not going to be anywhere near the ATVs or horses or the pool. In fact, they're going to spend the rest of the weekend in their rooms. And uh, Malcolm points out, you know, you're sending us to our rooms. You sound like mom. And Francis says, well, sometimes mom is right. Devastation. Yes. Then, as that scene is playing out, uh, Gretchen notices that Dewey has uh, the the dolls from er- one of the dolls from earlier in his back pocket, which of course is broken in the ATV accident. And uh, Gretchen, you know, upon seeing this and realizing that Dewey lied to her, starts to cry. And Otto promises to get her uh, doll new legs. Uh, just like Cousin Heinrich. <laughs> but after the boys are sent off to their room, 
Hal uh, once again agrees with Francis, you know, saying he can't believe those boys, and Francis sort of turns on him as well and says, and I can't believe you would sign that, you know, permission form without even reading it. And Francis storms off. Then we go to the room where the, the boys are, and Malcolm is complaining, uh, not, not even about them being punished, but because Francis called Lois right. He says he may as well have thrown acid in our face. You know what? I think I would have preferred that. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the drama. And Malcolm and Reese start plotting to get Francis back. And when they turn to Dewey to see if he's in on their plan, Dewey has disappeared. And we, we follow Dewey as he goes to apologize to Gretchen, you know, crying and saying, you know, he just couldn't help himself, that the doll was just too cool. And uh, Gretchen apologizes to him as well for yelling at him. And she introduces Dewey to her method of dealing with, with you know, feelings of guilt when she's done something wrong, which is to work so hard that her body cries in pain and her uh, soul... Uh... No, see, you work so hard that your fingers hurt, you have the ache in the back, and your body cries out for mercy, and then your soul can be free. Which uh, Dewey, like, uh, immediately starts to try to get out of it, saying, well, that might work for you, but... But before he can finish, Gretchen grabs him and whisks him away to do some work. Then uh, we go to Hal and Otto as they are about to go out on a ride together. But Hal can't get on his horse. Every time he, like, gets near his horse, Buttercup, the horse, uh, like, neighs and then, like, steps away from him. And Otto tells him that this is because uh, Buttercup can sense when people have uh, unresolved feelings. And he tells the story of how one time Gretchen made him omelets with mushrooms and he hates mushrooms, but he ate them anyways. Then Buttercup did this to him until he finally went and talked to Gretchen about it. Then they had the best sex of their lives. Thank you, Buttercup. But uh, Hal is uh, still insisting that he doesn't have any, you know, unresolved issues. But he offers to, you know, switch horses instead. And Otto says that'll be fine because Scout doesn't pick up on anything. Well, unless you're secretly gay. <laughs> <laughs> then we go to Reese and Malcolm, who have begun their plan to get Francis back. As they, they go to a fireworks stand where, uh, you know, a, a, there, there's another, you know, adult guy but there buying some fireworks. So as they approach, they ask if he has any, you know, sparklers or pinwheels. And they're all, like, pointedly, like, you know, glancing over to make sure the guy's leaving. Then, of course, as soon as he leaves, they start, uh, you know, asking for what they actually want. In, like, very specific detail. As they, like, go back and forth with this fireworks salesman. Uh, you know, haggling and, uh, uh, you know, substituting where, where need be. And when they get to, like, the end of their uh, list of things, they, they say, you know, we're holding an event for a friend. Did you have anything, you know, special that, that'll really sell it? And the guy asks, well, that depends on how much you're willing to spend. And then Reese holds up Hal's credit card and says, let's let our dad worry about that. <laughs> Typical Reese. So he pulls out the Komodo 3000, which is just like a giant 
bomb-looking metal firework. Yeah, it's like a firework version of the atom bomb is what it looks like. Yes. Then we go back to Dewey and Gretchen, who are uh, on their uh, hands and knees, scrubbing a floor. Dewey is saying that, you know, he doesn't really like this and his knees hurt, but the bad feeling in his stomach is starting to go away. And that's what penance is for. She, she explains, you know, that that's why she does this whenever she does something bad. She uh, works it until it hurts. <laughs> and she notices that, like, her knee is bleeding. And she says, ooh, blood, we're halfway there. <laughs> then we go back to uh, Otto and Hal. And Otto is, you know, telling Hal that uh, this is where he comes. You know, he comes and rides the horses out to this specific place anytime he you know, needs to be alone with his thoughts or anytime he's in trouble with Gretchen. And Hal says that he has a uh, bench in the garage for the same reasons. <laughs> and when Hal suggests, you know, it's probably time for them to get headed back, Otto says, well, we could. And then he pulls out a bottle of schnapps and he says, or we could stay out here and get to know each other better. <laughs> and he says that he he's found that in life with the proper dosage, interesting things always happen. <laughs> Then we, we, like, go forward in time to that night as a very drunk Hal and Otto are uh, shooting their guns. And o Otto is complimenting Hal on being such a good shot. And then uh, they, like, look up at the stars uh, and they see, you know, Orion's belt. And Otto is trying to point, you know, the, the, the constellation out to Hal. And he does so by shooting where the stars are. Which then Hal does the same. Then they, they like, after the belt, like, proceed, proceeds to shoot the spear as well. And, of course... Jake, it's what you call a Midwest laser pointer. They're literally just pointing with the bullets. This is, this is a very common practice pre-2020. Alright? So... Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the, the one time I have seen someone like, actually do the, like, stereotypical shoot-the-gun-in-the-air thing was when we uh, had that eclipse here in town. Yeah, which is insane, because as a person who's uh, trained and been around firearms his entire life, I've literally never seen that, uh, and uh, thank God I didn't witness anybody doing that during the eclipse. But to be fair, I was at work during the eclipse, so... Yeah, fair. Uh, I was walking my dog, and I... Like, across the street, saw it happen. <laughs> you uh, got the hell out of there, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, uh, of course, all of this shooting scares the horses off, which uh, they are too drunk to understand that, you know, the, the, the causation there. <laughs> Upon seeing this just says, oh, something scared off the horses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then the uh, bullets start landing around them. And of, co of course, Hal and Otto are freaking out about this, and Otto gets shot in the butt, and as he, you know, uh, initially says something bit me, and he falls, then you know, as he realizes what's happened, he says, I finally hit something. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, we, we leave them, and we go back to Francis, who is talking to Piyama, saying, you know, it's been really quiet for, from the boys' room, he thinks that, uh... That talking to he gave them really got through to them. And as he's like saying this, uh, Piyama is like smiling and laughing and nodding her head. 
And uh, Francis, like, picks up on this as he says, and the, the fact that you look so happy right now means I'm going to look like an ass here in a minute. <laughs> Tell me what's going on. And Piava tells him that the boys have been gone from their room for hours, but that they left a note for him uh, to go uh, meet him by the stables. And uh, Francis, like, reads the note, and uh, Piava assures him that it gets less insulting halfway through. <laughs> And Francis just asks, uh, does this say lick or wipe? And Pialma says, I think you're good either way. <laughs> right. Uh, which implies a lot of great things, and I love it. It does. Then we go back to Hal and Otto, as uh, Hal is trying to drag Otto to safety, but he's, like, exhausted and he drops him. And when Otto asks, uh, how far did we make it? Hal says... Well, by uh, my estimation, uh, looking at, you know, where the mountains are in comparison to us, I'd say about 12 feet. <laughs> but don't go that way. It's certain death. <laughs> and, uh, you know, both, both like, collapsed. Uh, Hal from exhaustion from having dragged Otto 12 feet and Otto from being shot in the butt. They, they have, like, a heart-to-heart -heart conversation where Hal finally tells Otto what's been bothering him. And it's not that Francis yelled at him, it's that Francis is doing so well here that, you know, he spent the 18 years with Hal getting into constant trouble and, you know, going from one disaster to another, and two months working for Otto, and he, you know, finally has, you know, taken responsibility and is finally acting like a grown-up, and Hal thinks, you know, he must have failed as a father, and the reason things have turned around for Francis is because Otto is a better father figure to him. But Otto reassures him that, you know, all of Francis's good qualities were already there when he showed up. He didn't, you know, magically turn into a responsible adult over the last two months. The, the analogy Otto uses is he, he didn't just go to the uh, convenience store and, you know, get it by himself uh, a hot dog and uh, a big gulp and a new personality. <laughs> and he tells Hal the uh, apple didn't fall far from your tree. Then he asks Hal to rub his butt because it's getting numb. <laughs> That's right. His buttocks needs a, a vigorous rubbing. Dude, I love Otto. The Otto is so good. <laughs> <laughs> then we go back to Dewey and Gretchen, where Gretchen is using Dewey as like a living broom. <laughs> She's, like, holding onto his ankles and, like, thrusting him under a bed, and Dewey has uh, some, some, like, uh, dusters, like, strapped to his arms, and, and he's, like, instructing her, you know, where to aim him. <laughs> then after they finish, they, they both, uh, very similar to Hal and uh, Otto, uh, like, like, you know, collapse from exhaustion, laying there on their backs, and they, too, have a, like, nice little conversation where Dewey says they know he's feeling great now. And uh, Gretchen, you know, once again tells him, you know, clean room leads to a clean soul. And she gives Dewey a toilet brush, and she tells Dewey to think of her anytime he uses it, which is the, the nice little wrap-up for their, like, subplot. Then we go back to Francis who is confronting Malcolm and Reese. Uh, he's met up with them where they said to in their letter, and they tell Francis that, you know, they, they want their big brother back, uh, that they miss the way that he used to be, and 
Uh, as they're explaining this, Francis, you know, realizes that there is a fuse on the fence next to him. And when when he asks what it goes to, they say, Well, you can either follow the fuse and see where it leads, or you can find out the Francis way. And they hand him a lighter. <laughs> and yeah, the, the, Reese points out that, you know, that they missed the Francis that loved fire and explosions. <laughs> and Francis, you know, starts... L- explaining that, you know, he had to change, he has responsibilities now, he's married, he has to act like an adult, and he, he he's not the 16-year-old menace that he used to be. And as he's explaining this, like, almost of its own volition, his hand with the lighter has, like, lit the fuse on, uh, on fire, and he, like, looks over and says, interesting. <laughs> then we go back once again, uh, well, like, what once the, uh, Fireworks are starting to Hal and Otto, and Otto is telling Hal we we have to go towards the mountains. The other way is certain death. Then behind them, the fireworks start going off, which causes them to turn around. And Otto says, oh right, I meant this is the direction we need to go. The other way is certain death. And Otto asks, what is that? And Hal says, that's Francis guiding us home. So they set off the right direction. Then that's right. It, Francis it, looks into another good act. And then finishes up by cutting back to Francis, Malcolm, and Reese, who are watching the fireworks, you know, looking very happy. And Malcolm asks, how are we going to know which one is the Komodo 3000? And of course, as soon as he says that, it goes off. And it just cuts from, like, you know, this night shot with the fireworks going off to uh, them all in the exact same pose, but it's very clearly a day shot. There's a loud explosion. Then uh, Malcolm, like, yells, you know, due to the hearing damage they've all just (laughs) received. So do uh, do you think that was the Komodo? (laughs) And uh, Francis just says, it better have been. So when does our vision come back? And Reese says, well, the box says two days. And Francis just says, totally worth it. And they all blindly walk away, like holding their hands out. (laughs) (laughs) And that wraps the episode up. So let's go to our awards. Awards. And as usual, we will begin with our Roller Skating Keen Award, our award for the best visual moment. What did you have for that one, David? So I'm going to go ahead and give it to the Komodo 3000. Yep, that was also my first choice. <laughs> it's it so good. I love it because it literally, when it blows, they're like, I can't even tell which one is the Komodo 3000. And then you get like, it flashes today real quick. And then it, it goes back to night. Uh, basically implying that it lit it up so much that it's just like the sun, Uh, (laughs) which I absolutely love uh, and would be great to see. It's also part of where my intro line comes from. (laughs) Francis asks uh, Reese, you know, about the, hey, did it say our vision would come back? (laughs) The box said in two days. I love that scene. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, But since you took that, I will go with my backup choice, uh, which is Heroic Francis. The introduction of Francis in the episode just, just riding up on the horse. Really, you know, leaning into the Francis as like the heroic older brother figure to the other boys. That was also my backup, 
but for a different reason. Yeah. Yeah. Did you not notice the uh, sped up writing? They oh, straight yeah. up. They straight up use spaghetti western tactics to make him look even more like heroic and western. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's how you know demonstrate that it's a heroic cowboy. Yeah, it's because you have to like you know speed up the film. Yeah, 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 and then of course when he like rides up to them, the you know, the the horse like uh, rears back with him on the back. It's it's all like the very stereotypical western stuff. I love it. Yeah, no, same. I just, I love the shot because you can tell. That he's very clearly the horse is just like moving forward at a trot, and they just speed it up to make it look like he's riding fast. Now, well, moving on to our next award, what did you give your hot dog with mustard award? Your award for the best line. Oh, I have so many for this, but I since I get to go first, I'm stealing my favorite. If I'm such a genius, why am I drunk and lost in the desert with a bullet in my ass? I love Otto so much. Yep, yep, that that was also my first choice. <laughs> it's so good. I, I love this. And it's this scene is so good because you get this, you know, sort of wholesome interaction between, you know, Otto and Hal and the realization that, you know, it's not Hal, the lack of Hal being there that has allowed Francis to start to transform. It's just that, like in real life, you know, we start to have the opportunity to make these choices when we're put in positions where we have to make them. Right. And you know, which, which is really interesting about Francis, which I think we'll probably talk about later, but, uh, you know, Francis isn't really becoming like this great hero or anything, but he's just finally learning to make good choices, which I appreciate. I mean, within, uh, within the world of Malcolm in the middle, I think that makes you a hero. (laughs) Sure. Sure. I, I, I get that. I guess. I don't know. Well, well, we can talk about that later. Um, but yeah, no, I just I love this this interaction and that line just had me fucking dying. So especially as it comes right after all this like heartfelt, you know, telling how all this stuff and how Francis had it within him the whole time and it wasn't him. And then yeah, just to, right. to end it with that was so perfect. It was. But since you took that one, I will go with. Another auto line, uh, which is, uh, we already discussed in the coverage, but it's, I blame the oldest one. The others follow him like sheep. <laughs> right. <laughs> Poor Dewey. <laughs> okay, Otto will get there. So I, I just love that Otto has, like, e- even though they've, like, you know, been called out and, you know, got in trouble, he still believes their lie about Dewey. <laughs> right, Yeah. <laughs> Not a great critical thinker, that Otto, but we love him anyways. That's right. Well, moving on to our next award. What did you give your OK Boomer Award? Your award for the moment that best sets the episode firmly within its time of release. They're the Christmas shopping catalog that Piyama is looking at when uh, Francis comes in to talk to her. Okay. We did, uh, both, we actually discussed it before I record, we both did, uh, struggle a bit with this one for this episode. <laughs> uh, we sure did. Uh, but the other thing is, like, that was one of those big, like, thick ones, and yeah. it was not, like, novelty items that she was looking at. It was, like, straight up, like, Christmas decorations and, like, stuff like that. Like, it looked like, you know, the old, honestly, it looked like the old Sears and Roebuck catalogs. Right. Um, there's not enough detail for me to tell if that's what it was. But, uh, yeah, I haven't seen anything like that since, you know, at least the early 2000s. 
Yeah, yeah, no, they'll say I also noted that that was initially going to be my choice. But when you rewatched the scene, I was like, motherfuckers taking my award. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there is another fairly obvious one that uh, actually I, I, I had forgotten about until we were going through the actual like episode recap. But the old lady asking where she can go to the Jazzercise class. <laughs> Oh, God, Jazzercise, fuck. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that all became, like, Zumba and Roomba and stuff like that. Wait, Roomba's the vacuum, huh? I no, don't know. Fuck no, it, look. No. no, Roomba's definitely an exercise thing. Okay. It's also yeah. the vacuum. <laughs> it's only the vacuum, David. Is it? Okay, I don't know. Fuck <laughs> it. I, uh, I just wanted to put you in a situation where you start uh, talking to someone about Roomba exercises. <laughs> you know... <laughs> It exercises my two-year-old. He chases that thing around the house. That's True. great. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should start the Roomba exercise craze. There we go. See, this episode is chock full. You would be cleaning and getting penance, freeing your soul, and exercising all in one. Yeah. It's a brilliant idea. I know, right? Trademark. Okay. <laughs> That's how that works, right? Just like in the office, I can just say it. Yeah. Like I declare I bankruptcy. Declare bankruptcy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, moving on to our next award. Who did you have as your favorite character? Oh, Otto. Otto all the way. <laughs> I love Otto in this episode, man. Fair enough. Realistically, Otto is also my favorite character of this episode, but I chose to give my award to Gretchen. I almost gave it to Gretchen, so I can see that. Yes, because Otto just has uh, a lot more episodes where he's much more prominent. He, he gets a lot more opportunities to shine, whereas Gretchen only gets a few. So I, I wanted to use this as an opportunity to uh, acknowledge her very uh, interesting ideas on, on using uh, work to, you know, alleviate her guilt. Right. Well, I, I like very old school... Uh, well, like, uh, 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 uh fuck. I I'm doing the brain thing again, David. Yeah, clearly. But the, like, old school, uh, Quaker style of, if you do something wrong, then, then you have to, uh, you know, work yourself into, uh, literal pain in order to, you know, ha have penance for it. I mean, I guess, yeah, Quaker works, because they're heavily influenced by Roman Catholicism, but, like... Yeah, yeah, it's a thing in Catholicism as well, but, like, the, the Quakers were known for, like, taking it to, like, an extreme. Right. Yeah. I mean. Like, the, the, the extreme, like, Catholic version of it is, like, you know, like, the self-flagellation as opposed to, yeah, like, was, work yourself say, into. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Roman Catholicism, it was just, uh, we go past the cleaning things and we just beat the shit out of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But in <laughs> a religious that, way, so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's a similar principle. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, uh. Dude, uh, <laughs> she is a great character, and it, she, she does really play it up so well, and I love the interaction with Dewey, and she's just such a sweet character interacting with Dewey, and I, I love it. It's yeah. so wholesome and it was. awful at the same time. Yes. Because don't do this to yourselves, guys. Like, Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, this is terrible mental health advice, but excellent episode. Exactly. <laughs> great comedy, bad life. Yes. 
And I, I also do love that, like, Gretchen's, like, big sin that she, like, remembers and needs to atone for is that one time <laughs> she was given a coin to throw in a fountain to make a wish, and instead she threw a pebble and kept the coin for herself. Not just a coin, <laughs> specifically a penny. Well, moving on to our next award, who did you give your Cloris Leachman Award, your award for the best acting? So it's funny that you mention uh, her, Megan Fay, actually, because for her uh, portrayal of Gretchen. Yep, that was also my choice. Yeah, because she's amazing. It's like you said, Kenneth Mars is also amazing, but he uh, he gets a lot of other time to shine. This is... You know, even so far, I don't know about in the future, but this is really the first Gretchen like anything really where she's not a enhancer to Otto. She's her own character finally, right? For this episode, so I really like that, and I I do love her interactions with Dewey. I I think that her acting is great. Um, I love the dumb jokes that were written for this character. They're so fucking funny. And just this idea of her working herself to the bone with Dewey to help him, you know, pay for, uh, pay penance for his crimes is, uh, it's, it's heartwarming and sweet, but it's also just so good. Yeah, yeah, I really don't have a lot to add for pretty much all the same reasons I chose her. <laughs> <laughs> There's not really a, uh, you know, a plot of your heart in this one because we counted it all as the F plot. But I, I will say as far as subplots go, I would have chosen the Hal Auto stuff. Uh, same. So that's I figured you were going to break it down into subplots. And so I chose the Hal and Auto stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that just leaves our shittiest and least shitty kid awards. Who did you have as your shittiest kid, David? Uh, Reese. Okay, why Reese over Malcolm? Um, because Reese tips the scales a little bit in that he actively is the one who stole the uh, credit card and uses it to pay while Malcolm is complicit. It doesn't specifically, you know, point out that he actually took the act of stealing. He, when talking to Dewey, he directly calls Dewey stupid, and that's why they don't want to play ping pong with him. Um, and then ultimately... In the scene where they are talking to Francis and trying to get him to relapse into his old destructive ways, Reese is the uh, pushing force of trying to force him into it, while Malcolm is trying to appeal to this sort of emotional ploy of, you know, we just want our brother back. I think Reese's motivations are more selfish, and therefore uh, he is more of a monster than Malcolm. Yeah, no, that, I, I agree. I also chose Reese based mostly on that last scene for that that exact reason. Yeah. I, I get the feeling that, you know, they're, they're both motivated by a mix of wanting Francis back and wanting to see an explosion, but it feels like Reese is a little bit more on the want-to-see-an-explosion side of the equation. <laughs> well, and I think the difference is, is Malcolm wants his brother back because he wants an ally against his mom, and Reese just wants someone else to be like him. Right. Yeah. 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 So we're in agreement there. And who did you have as least shitty kid? Well, at the end of the episode, it shifted to Dewey. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming because of uh, Francis uh, lighting the fuse. Yes. Francis relapsed. And wow, 
It did help save Otto and Hal. I don't count lucking into something a good act. Uh, that is good coming from something, which I think can happen a lot of the times. It doesn't necessarily mean that it was a good act. Um, also, the other reason I chose Dewey is I was leaning and teetering between him and Francis all episode. But Same. Dewey did go and apologize unprompted and genuinely apologize for doing the bad thing and taking the doll and breaking it and not being thoughtful. And then he learned about penance and he literally worked it off. So I, I think that that is a proper direction for him to go in, especially being around this freaking family. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can understand all that. I, I did very strongly consider Dewey, but I stuck with Francis despite that last scene. Because I don't see that last scene necessarily as Francis relapsing into, you know, his old destructive ways necessarily. I, I think I see that more as Francis sort of being able to reach a middle ground for his character. As he's like, you know, shifted from the fuck up destructive teenager. We've seen him like gradually develop into the Francis that he is now. But we see in this episode him sort of going, you know, far enough into the other side of that, that he's, uh, like, lo losing his, you know, love for life. And to me, that this is, like, a, a fairly harmless thing that he's doing. It's not like they blew up, like, the barn with the fireworks or anything. It is just, you know, setting off fireworks. And I do think that, that that's an important thing. Sure. I guess I just saw it more as from, like, the... The way the boys present it and the way the show presents it is uh, Francis is kind of a pyromaniac. And so, like, I saw it as an immediate parallel to, like, addiction. And so, like, I see this person who's addicted to doing these things and fire and explosives, and they hand it to him, and then he relapses. And, like, mm. that's... They use literally some of the exact language. So it just... It was super easy to draw the parallel for me. Yeah, no, I, I can see the parallel. But I, I don't... I don't think he's, like addicted to destroy things. I don't think that's how he's been presented in the past. Like, a lot of his, like, destroying things was much more a result of, like, a scheme that he had. Sure, but I don't know. If, when you contain it to, to this episode, like, he literally can't help himself but light the fuse. Yeah, yeah, I, I, get, I get where you're coming from. It's just not the, it's not the interpretation that I had as I was watching it, but I can see how you would reach that like conclusion it makes sense right yeah and I, I i i am less against you picking francis in this episode than i normally am but i still just think dewey is the the better choice yeah no fair dewey, dewey is a great choice for this it was a very hard decision fair enough I, I think i actually initially was leaning towards dewey after watching it once and then watching it a second time switch to francis right and i do i i do say i i do like your point and i i think you're right uh to to clarify well, that's not the way I interpreted it when I watched it the first time. I, I think that it is interesting and an interesting point to make that, you know, you are seeing sort of a, a rebalancing of Francis there. Um, and ultimately, I definitely would say that, yeah, having that balance in your life for anyone out there listening to this, that's definitely very important. And for so for Francis to to sort of have that, if that's the way you see and interpret that scene, then, yeah, I mean, that makes total sense. Yeah, I, I think there's a very unhealthy, like, idea of what 
adulthood means that, that that can like mean you know you you don't do the things that you enjoy anymore you like just focus on your responsibilities and that's your life and i don't i don't think that is a healthy way to live that's the world bro like that's that's uh <laughs> we can we can talk about that's a whole nother podcast in and of itself i mean with all yeah. the content creation stuff that we do like that's that is a a very real sentiment and so like i get what you're saying with that like and I agree, it's super unhealthy, but... And it's also one of those things, like, I've seen this sort of arc play out in real life with my older brother, who we usually compare to uh, Reese. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, who, who sort of, like, for, like, quite a while, like, like became, like, a, a straight-up workaholic, like, worked, it... like, like, sometimes, like, 80 hours a week, like, every week for months on end. Dude, I did that. Right. I gave myself to the job because I loved what I did and I dedicated myself to that, you know, and I had responsibilities. And so, you know, like I was being responsible and I was being pressured by society's, you know, norms to be all of these roles. And I put myself in these positions at the job, you know, same as your brother did. Like yeah. we both took on those responsibilities and then that responsibility meant something. And because we were raised a certain way, to where if you're in that position and you have those responsibilities, then that means you have to behave X way. And it's it spirals out of control. And before you know it, your only thing, I mean, we stopped doing podcasts. We stopped doing stream. We stopped doing anything that I stopped doing the airsoft stuff. Like right. anything that brought joy to my life kind of was secondary so that I could fulfill all of these responsibilities that I had given myself and had convinced myself were more important than anything else. Like having kids, uh, I know everyone's like, Oh my God, kids are such a, yes, they're a responsibility, but honestly having kids and being able to be brought back to a point of where my family became the most important thing in my life allowed me to step back and, and put myself in a place where my job is not all-consuming in my life and yeah no 100 percent. that's that's super important uh, that serious note that uh, wraps up our awards yeah uh, but we have a couple segments left first up we uh, have a, a very uh brief easy one for this week because the pregnancy watch uh 2021 <laughs> this yeah episode. they just didn't have her in <laughs> exactly <Yeah. laughs> we just never see lois <laughs> that's right yep no lois well, I, I guess we do see her in the cold open, but she's, like, in bed covered by blankets. I guess that would yes. qualify as well. I guess. It also may not be her. I didn't look close enough. Do you see her face? I don't remember. I wasn't. I, was yeah. saying, I thought she was rolled away, but I, I didn't pay attention because I was focused on what Hal was doing. Right. It very well could be. Right. Moving on to our next segment, we have the Cranston Connection, which was my turn this week. I went with uh, one that we've kind of touched on with these before, uh, but we see a instinct that will be much more prevalent in Walter White sort of coming out of Hal here, and that is the instinct to be uh, protective, not like of his kids, but as his of his role as a father figure to his son, uh, which plays out, you know, much more toxically in... Breaking Bad, as he is, like, very defensive of that role with Hank. Uh, it's, like, part of what motivates him uh, when, uh, he, you know, makes Walt Jr., like, drink until he throws up and stuff like that. 
Uh, we, we, like, see it, you know, taken to a much further extreme, but it is sort of the same impulse when he sees someone else as a, like, potential father figure to his son. You know, it uh, eats him up inside, and he lashes out in unhealthy ways. Which is what he does to Otto here. Yep. But uh, moving on to our last segment, we have David's Guessing Game, which you had kind of a <laughs> mixed bag on this time around. That's fair. As you correctly predicted that the like main thing of the episode would be that the family comes to visit Francis, which was correct. Uh, and you also correctly predicted that the boys would like see... That Francis has become, like, a boring adult, and that they, they would, you know, turn against him. But you incorrectly predicted that the, like, cause of this would be that Francis, like, put them to work on the ranch, and that's why they turned against him. Correct. Uh, which is not what happened. And you specifically predicted that Malcolm and Reese's plotline would be about them, you know, being forced to do work but that Dewey would find a way to get out of it and have, like, a relaxing time instead. <laughs> right, yeah, Which yeah. is the exact opposite of how that went. Correct. Because <laughs> only Dewey ended up doing any chores. Uh, so, uh, well, with that, uh, like, mix of, you know, correct and incorrect predictions, I gave you an 80%. Okay. But what That's do you fair. think happens next week? In Grandma Sue's. Well, you see, Jacob, Grandma Sue's is an episode where the great and powerful Cloris Leachman will return as Ida, and Ida will trip and fall in the front yard and then begin to sue the family, and she will not be swayed by passionate pleading from the family. I also know and feel very confident in this because I have some insider knowledge that was given to me much earlier in this show about this episode. Fair enough. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know uh, Michael Gorman talked a bit about it too when we interviewed him. Yep. Yeah, yeah I was going to yeah. say between Eric and uh, and uh, Gloverman, I freaking... I was like, yeah, this is an easy one. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before we wrap this up, I do have a uh, a long, a long dormant thing to point out, David. Oh, we've got a Buffy connection, David. Oh, we do. Uh, we do. Uh, not from any actors, but. The director of this episode is his first episode uh, directing for Malcolm in the Middle is uh, David Dovito, uh, who oh. uh, th his only actual directing credits all come from Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, before that, though, he was an assistant director for Malcolm in the Middle, and before that, he was an assistant director throughout season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay, okay, yeah, no wonder I didn't catch it. The minute you started talking about, like, you know, the, the director's name, I was like, oh, okay, weird, because that, that wasn't somebody that I recognized. I see where you went there. Wow. What a deep dive. Uh, well, I, I look at the, like, credits anytime there's a new director or writer. Oh, you look at their credits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and of course, when I saw Buffy, right? Like, all right, I get to bring up Buffy arbitrarily. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> it's my favorite oh. thing to do in life. 
Yeah, literally in life, guys. He's not talking about just this show. He means in life. He will connect anything to Buffy the Vampire Slayer if he can. Uh, true. Yeah. And if I can't connect it to Buffy, I can almost always connect it to X-Men. And X-Men connects to Buffy. Because yep, it yeah. was the main inspiration for Buffy. Uh, because because everything in life relates to X-Men, I can relate everything in life to Buffy. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you so much. I, I was wondering where that loophole was going to go. Well, thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us by email where we are lifeisunfairpod at gmail.com or you can reach us on Twitter where we are unfair underscore podcast, which is also where we put up our weekly shittiest and least shitty kid polls. If you enjoy the back and forth here and want to catch us live, head on over to twitch.tv slash lpdeathray, where we stream video games, have conversations, and in general, have a good time. And as always, remember, life is unfair. You know what? We could pitch that to a certain bigger podcast, I'm pretty sure. I think they would get all in on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a regulation idea. Is I think what you're saying. That is that is definitely a regulation idea. You should maybe tweet at Raymond and uh, be like, "Hey, we have a thing." <laughs> of course, naturally, we would have to assign and record the fart signs first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. this is going to require some uh, effort on our part before we can present the idea. That's right. Yeah, before but we, we can get... pitch the idea to Unifarm. Anyone listening to this that doesn't listen to that podcast is like, "What the fuck are they talking about?" Yeah, 100%, and at this point, I feel like it's best if we just don't say the name of the podcast that we're re referencing. Well, it's ungoogleable anyways, so... You're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs>